Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody here, and good morning, everyone that's tuning in online. Today, we're going to be closing out our series on generational blessings and curses. And today, we're going to be talking about fatherhood and how God is the father to the fatherless. Also, just a little side note, I just want to give you guys an update. Last fall, around November, I asked you guys to pray for Ashley's father. At the time, he had been diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, and we asked you guys to pray. And it's been several months now, and he's in chemotherapy, and he's, he's doing well. Ashley got to see him a couple of weeks ago, and he is doing, he's, he's doing well, according to the doctors, according to the family. So let's keep him, lift, let's keep him lifted up in prayer, and I just want to thank you uh, for your prayers. Uh, thank you so much. I just want to give you guys an update on that. Let's go before our king in prayer. Father God, we come to you in your mighty and matchless son's Jesus' name. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us your word. I pray that you speak to us today. I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of in the lives of your people. Speak to them directly. You know what they need. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Dads are important. Dads are important. That role and title of dad, it's hard to beat. That's that's the highest, one of the highest titles that you can have if you've been given that privilege and that honor of being a dad. It doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States, Time Magazine's person of the year, heavyweight champion of the world, employee of the month, with your plaque on the wall in the cool parking spot. Dad trumps all of that. Dads are important. And this isn't to say that mothers aren't important. Let me get that out of the way. Let's not even go there. We know better than that. Amen. But dads are important. How do we know that? Because when that gap is left empty for that role and title of fatherhood, wounds are left that can go on for a lifetime. Those wounds can stick with us forever. And they can be passed on from generation to generation to generation. Dads are important. Here's what we know, just a a few facts. Some of these are are devastating. 20.2% of American men don't take part in parenting their biological children. That's according to the U.S. Census Bureau. That's one fifth of men. That means that there are quite a few individuals who have not experienced even the presence of their father. Professionals found that juveniles from fatherless homes are 279% more likely to participate in drug trafficking. Girls who live in a fatherless home have a 100% higher risk of suffering from eating disorders. 
75% of sexual abusers are motivated by displaced anger that is associated with feelings of abandonment that involves their father. This is according to the Department of Justice. According to the U.S. Department of Human and Health Services, 90% of youth in the United States who decide to run away from home or become homeless for any reason originally came from a fatherless home. 63% of youth suicides involve a child who was living in a fatherless home when they made their final decision. Dads are important. Dads are important, and unfortunately, fatherlessness shows up in different ways and in different zip codes. It does not always look the same everywhere. There are different forms of fatherlessness. Sometimes fatherlessness can take place even when a father is physically present. Here are a few examples. You can have Santa Claus dad. Santa Claus dad gives provision. He gives, uh, he gives gifts. He, he's generous, but he drops off the goods and he gets out of there and he doesn't really give his heart. Santa Claus dad provides material means, but he doesn't really give of himself. This, this is Santa Claus dad. And there's a form of fatherlessness that can be associated with Santa Claus dad. There's also hollow dad. Hollow dad is present, but also not emotionally or mentally aware. Hollow dad might be in his phone, preoccupied with his work or his hobbies, or even with some form of addiction. He is there. He's sitting at the table, but he is checked out. And some people have experienced fatherlessness through a hollow dad. Also, there's hope dad. He's, he's, he's hot, then he's cold. He's yes, then he's no. He's in, then he's out. He's up, then he's down. He's hope dad. Emotionally unstable and creates an unstable environment. We don't know what to expect from hope dad. We don't know when he's going to go off. We walk on our tiptoes and on eggshells around hope dad because he's just unpredictable. Hope dad, that's, that's peekaboo dad. He's in and he's out. He's, he's in your life, then he's, he's out of your life. Peekaboo dad leaves empty seats at the play and at the recital and at the sports games. He's in and he's out. He might show up and be super present, but then he's out of the picture again, which creates uncertainty and anxiety and instability. And then lastly, invisible dad. This is the, the father that's just not physically present at all. And I say this with sensitivity because I know that this is a sensitive subject, but the reality is we live in a world where this is a lot of our realities, where we have experienced that gap, or we might have created that gap. But I want to encourage you, there is grace for those who have created such gaps. This isn't a beat-up men sermon. So there's grace for those of us who have created such gaps, but there's also grace for those of us who have experienced such gaps. But the reality is we live in a world where a lot of us have experienced this and this stinks and it hurts. And here's why. We were created 
for a paternal love that was meant to be modeled by an earthly father, but ultimately fulfilled by God, our heavenly father. That is what we were created for. That's why it hurts so bad when that gap is left empty. That's why a young man can be so angry when he doesn't get this, or a young woman can be so angry because this is something that we were created for. Dads are important. And we were created as fathers. Those of us who, who, are, who are fathers were created to be a shadow of Christ, to be a shadow of the heavenly father in the lives of our children. We were created to give that, those of us who are fathers, and all of us were created to receive that paternal love. So, so, so what do we do? What do we do with those gaps? Thanks be to God. God is a father to the fatherless. A gentleman by the name of Otto Kelly is a pastor in Reno, Nevada. And and Otto Kelly oversees a teen crisis center, and he takes on uh, young women and young men who are about to go through the process of being teen parents. And, he, and he, he parents them through the process. And as he takes on these young men and young women who are about to go through the, this, this new season of being teen parents, he, he takes on the role of father in their lives. He steps in and fills the gap for these individuals. And so he asks them, if you could have received anything from your, your, your biological father, what would you have liked to receive from your biological father? What, what can I do? How can I step in? What would you have liked to receive from a biological father? And it boiled down to these four things. It's protection, provision, presence, and praise. They said if we could have had protection, someone to look out for us, someone to have our backs, to know that someone would step in front of me and defend me, if I could have had protection... That would have been amazing. A a godly, present, and engaged father provides protection, provision, means, making sure that I have what I need and and that I don't lack the essentials in life. A father, he, he, he shows up and gives provision. And these young women said, oh, if I would have had someone to, to give me the provision that I, that I need. Also, presence. Just being there means so much. Showing up at that game means so much. Showing up at that recital means so much. Just being present matters so much in the lives of a child. We were created for that. We were created for present fatherhood. And lastly, praise, affirmation. You don't think you need praise and affirmation. Even Jesus received praise and affirmation from the Father. When Jesus was baptized, God the Father looked on him and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And if Jesus needed affirmation, friend, you and I need affirmation. But the reality is sometimes there are gaps left 
I want to be this kind of father. I want to give protection, provision, presence, and praise. But the reality is I am broken. And if you're a father here today, you are broken. And regardless of how good of a father you had, he was broken. And therefore, there are gaps that are going to be left. I won't always be able to be present. I won't always be able to be there to give praise. I won't always, and much as I would want to, I won't always be able to to give protection. So the best thing I can do as a father is to try to model this, but also point my child to God the Father, the God who fills the gaps of fatherhood. Psalm 68.5 says it like this. He says, God, he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. He is a father to the fatherless. He is the God who fills the gaps of protection, of provisions, of presence and praise. That's who he is. He shows up in our lives in these significant ways. And he wants you to know that you can experience that today. If you've ever felt like, man, someone left this gap in my life, he wants you to know that you can experience that today. And if you are a father, he wants you to know that, yes, he wants you to model that love, but ultimately the most loving thing you can do for your children is to point them to the Father in heaven. And I'm here to tell you, it's not too late. Someone here today may be like, man, I blew it. It's not too late. There's grace. There's so much grace for that, for that gap. God calls us to be his, his adopted children. And one last thing, some of us might be called to step up and help fill that gap for other people. Some of us might be called to actually adopt children into our family and fill that gap for a young man or a young woman. Some of us might be called to foster and fill that gap for a young man or a young woman. That might be God's call on your life. Some of us might be called to be a mentor or a coach or a small group leader in the youth ministry. God might be calling you to fill that gap because he works through us that way. He's our father, and he fills the gaps. Children of God. Who, 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 who are the children of God? They are those who are called by his, by his name. And here's the thing about the children of God. God only has adopted children. That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about today. God's role as this adopted father in our lives. And he only has adopted children. He has one natural son. That one natural son is Jesus Christ. After that, everyone else is adopted. And that's what makes adoption such a beautiful thing. He chooses us to be in his family. And once he chooses us to be in his family and gives us his name, we get all of the rights and privileges of being his children. Oh, yeah, we get to go on a vacation. We get to sit at the table. We get the name. We get the inheritance. There's no setting us aside. It's something different. We are his with all of the rights and privileges of adoption. The Heidelberg Catechism says it this way. 
In Q&A 33, it says, why is Christ called the only begotten son of God since we are also the children of God? Why is that? Because Christ alone is the eternal and natural son of God, but we are children adopted of God by grace for his sake. We are, we are the adopted children of God with all of the rights and privileges of being so. And that is a beautiful thing. You are, you are his. And that's how he sees you as his. So how do we identify this? How do we identify who are the children of God? Romans 8 takes us on a journey of understanding this. Romans 8, 14 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So who are the children of God? Those who are led by the Spirit of God. So all people are creations of God. All of us are made in His image. All of us are image bearers of God, but everybody doesn't want that paternal relationship with God the Father. Some people push him away. Some people say, I don't need that. I don't want that. I'd rather live an independent life. But those who, who are led by him, led by his spirit, those are the children of God. So how do I know that I'm being led by the spirit? Well, the spirit of God will always lead you in the same direction as the Word of God. So I know that I'm His because I've submitted my will to Him. I know that I'm His because I am following Him. I know that I'm His because I've submitted to His Spirit and I've been led by His Spirit and the Spirit of God will never lead, lead you in the opposite direction of the Word of God. That's how you know that you're His. I'm being led by His Spirit and I know that I'm His. Let's take this a little further in 15. Paul is going to show us how to, how to discern the spirit, spirit here. This is spiritual discernment 101. How do I know that this is the Spirit of God then? How do I know that this is the Spirit of God and not some other spirit? How do I know that this is the Spirit of God leading me and not my flesh, not Satan? For the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you about your adoption to sonship. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. That voice of fear, that voice of anxiety, that voice that might tell you to, to hate yourself, that voice that might tell you to hurt yourself, that is not the voice of God. And if that spirit and that voice is what's leading you, God is saying, turn around. That is not the spirit of God. The voice of God is not that condemning voice. So this is spiritual discernment one-on-one. How do I know if this is this God speaking to me? Well, if it's condemning, if it's hateful, if it's self-deprecating, that's not the voice of God, friends. And Paul is trying to help them to discern the spirit of God's leading in their lives. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption and sonship. You're one of his. You're his child. You're his boy. You're his girl. And he doesn't talk to you like that in that way that leads to fear. So why are we talking about this today? Is this just theological mumbo-jumbo jargon? Is this just cool stuff to know? The reason that 
we're talking about this, and the reason why Paul is, is breaking this down for us in Romans is because far too often, those of us who are children of God live like slaves and orphans still. We have all of the rights and privileges of sonship and adoption, but we still choose to wear the chains of slavery. We still live as an orphan. Let's, let's look at the distinctions here between an orphan and a child of God. An orphan feels alone, lacks a vital daily intimacy with God, and is full of self-concern, always worried, who, who's going to care about me? Does anybody love me? Am I, am I seen? Does God really care about my needs? And, and the orphan lives this way. They, they are caught up with self-concern. The child of God, on the other hand, has a growing assurance that God is really my loving heavenly father. It's growing. It might not be perfect. I might worry a little bit, but I, I know that God has it because God loves me and I'm not an orphan. And he does see what I'm going through. And he, and he is involved with the affairs, affairs of my life. He, he isn't like fathers in the world who, who leave and are absent. No, he is present and I'm growing in faith and understanding of that. But the orphan is anxious over felt needs, relationships, money, health. I'm alone and nobody cares. This is the life of the orphan. And child of God, you do not have to live this life. That's why Paul is telling us this. You do not have to live as an orphan. He's going to take care of it. He has it. He knows about your health issues. He knows about the finances. He knows about the relational brokenness in, in the world. He, he, he's very much aware of it. You're not on your own. You're not an orphan. And Satan wants to creep in and say, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You got to figure it all out. And if you don't figure it all out, it's not going to get done. That's not the voice of God. Let's continue. The child of God trusts the Father and has a growing confidence in his loving care. Once again, it's growing, right? Might not be perfect, but I'm, I'm starting to get that I'm not in this on my own. I'm starting to get it. I'm not in this on my own. But the orphan lives on a success-fail basis, needs to look good and be right. I'm only loved if I do good. And if I don't do good, then I'm not loved. I'm only loved if I perform. And if I don't perform, then I'm not loved. And oh my gosh, I'm going to hide if I do anything wrong. Because ooh, if somebody finds out what I did, I'm going to get in trouble. And I'm not lovable now. So the, the, the orphan is always pretending for love. Let's continue. But the child of God is learning to live in daily conscious partnership with the God and with the God of the universe. And then lastly, the orphan feels condemned and guilty and unworthy before others. But the child of God feels loved, forgiven, and totally accepted. Sure, I failed. Sure, I made some mistakes. Sure, my life isn't all together, but I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm his. I know that I'm his child. And friends, that is the beauty of adoption that we get to experience this in Christ. He says that we get to call out to him as Abba Father. We get to call out to him, Abba Father. Scholars debate over what this means. Abba, Father, is an Aramaic word. Some say that it means that we can call God Papa or 
daddy. It's a word and a term of endearment. It's what you call your father when you have a relationship with him. I can call him Abba, father, and call him daddy, papa. My, my daughter is 18, she's 18 months, and right now the best way she knows how to say dad is dada, dada. It's the first word she ever said, sorry mom. But it's the first word. It's the first word she ever said was "dada." We got it on camera, but but she she says that she says that because there's an intimacy there. There's a familial relationship there. Now anybody else calls me "dada," that's a little weird. The pastor's son can't say that, right? <laughs> if, any, if any other adult were to say that, it'll be weird. But because we have this relationship, my daughter can call me "dada." And there's an intimacy there. And God the Father wants you to know that you can call him Papa. When you're struggling, when you're going through in difficulty, you can call out to Papa. And he's coming. He's there. He's with you. You're not alone. You're not an orphan. You're a child of God. And he wants you to know that, believe that, and live like that. And to be able to discern what's his voice and what's Satan's voice so you can block that voice out. Let's continue in six, verse 16. It says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. It means we get to inherit the kingdom. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, we may go through trials and tribulations on this side of heaven. But friends, child of God, you will inherit the kingdom. One day you're going to sit around the table with, with your father, and we're going to eat good food and drink good drink, and we're going to celebrate. And you're going to have a space at the table, and you're going to be treated like a child of God, not anything less than that, because he is yours and you are his. We have that to look forward to. Why would we deny and push away such a father. Why would we even think about denying and pushing away this type of father? In 1184 AD, there was a gentleman by the name of Balion. He was a blacksmith. He made a living bending and twisting metal. He worked with heat and metal. This was his job. And he had went through a tough patch in life. Balion didn't grow up with his father, so he had always had this void. He lost his, his wife, and he lost his children. And so he took to work to block, to block out the pain. He, he took to work to block out the pain. And like many of us, he just buried himself in work, and he swung away day after day. One day, this gentleman uh, rode up via horseback, and he was a military uh, professional in the area, and he needed Balion to make him some horseshoes. And this is what Balion did. He like, no problem, no biggie. I'll get to making you some horseshoes. And he's swinging away angrily, and the man notices his face. He notices his facial features, and he had another uh, agenda for visiting Balion on that day. And Balion is swinging away angrily. And he noticed this anger on young Balion's face. 
And then he finally reveals his real agenda to Balian. He says, Balian, my real agenda here today is I want you to know that I found out that you are my son. You're my long lost son. And I want to bring you into my family. I want to provide you with, with a job in, in, in the military with me. I want to share all that is mine with yours. I want to fill that gap. I'm so sorry. Will you accept me into your life as your father? And Balian kept swinging. He says, I want nothing to do with that. I don't need you in my life. I got this. And he kept swinging away and he rejected that man that day. He was not ready to receive him as a father. So much loneliness, so much hurt, so much pain had hardened his heart. and He was not able to accept, believe, or receive the love of a father. And it can be like that with some of us because life has hurt us so. Because so many people have let us down. Because we see so many bad and negative things in the world. It's hard to believe that a loving father could actually care about us. And we've learned to figure it out on our own. And we might not make horseshoes, but we figured out other tools of independence. And we go about our business. We go about our life and we say, God, you can go. I got this. And we might even be polite about it. Oh, I got this. I got this. I've, I've learned how to figure out life on my own. We have different tools of independence. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's religion. I just have learned to do good and I don't need anybody. Sometimes it can be appearances. We take on these different tools of independence and we push the father out. And he wants to be there because he knows you can swing away at life and you can do all this. You can try to live independent, but you were not created for that. You were created for a relationship with a father that was meant to be modeled by an earthly father. And sometimes earthly fathers leave gaps and it hurts. And so we get to a point where we push God the father away, but we were created for a relationship with the heavenly father. And he says, come to me. And he pursues you and he wants you to experience all the benefits of being a child of God. He wants that for you. He doesn't want you to live as a slave or an orphan. I want to say a prayer for those of us this morning who, who have never experienced the, the love of God the Father. You might have been, maybe you've been pushing him away. And as he's trying to push into your story, I want to encourage you to let down your defenses and let him in. The world might have hurt you, but you can trust him. And some of us our children of God, we've made a profession of faith. We know Jesus, but we still, we still tend to live like orphans. I just want to just pray for us. And then we're going to listen and sing a song together that can just affirm these truths for us. Father God, we come to you in your mighty sons, Jesus' name. I just want to lift up my brothers and sisters this morning who, God, who, who may be experiencing these gaps in their lives. God, I pray that they would know that your love is real and that they can trust you. And if you're a person that has never accepted God as the father of your life, I want you to just repeat after me, either in your heart or either out loud. God, I acknowledge that you are the father that I was created for. I acknowledge that at times I have pushed you away. I repent of my sins. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my, as my Lord and as the substitution on the cross for my sins. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I accept you as my adopted father.
I submit to the leading of your Holy Spirit in my life. I also want to pray for those of us who are followers of Christ, who are adopted children of God, but are still tempted to live like orphans. God, fill the gaps. Fill the gaps that I leave and have left in the lives of my own child or children. Fill the gaps that my earthly father left in my life. I confess that I have tried to fill the gaps with work, money, achievement, power, people. Help me to experience your protection, your provision, your presence, and your praise. And Father God, lastly, I want to lift up anyone who has left gaps. God, I pray that they would experience your grace and experience the gift of time that they have left to lead like you've called us to. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.